I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about us, right? We're just facilitators in this process, right? At the end of the day, all we're trying to do is help somebody get to where they're trying to go. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Now, today, I have a very special guest who is a legend in the field because he has had a chance to interview everyone who's either at 1% or at least the top 1% performers in their respective organizations. We're talking about Scott Ingram, who's the CEO and founder of Sales Success Media and hosts the Sales Success Podcast. He deconstructs world-class sales performers. He understands their mindset, their habits, their routines, and strategies that makes them the best salespeople in the world. Now, another thing that Scott does is actually being the founder and CEO of the Sales Tech Expo, where he really gets featuring all the technologies that exist in the field of sales, marketing, that really enable us to be more effective as salespeople. And this is the conversation we're going to be having today. Are tools really the answer for any problem you have on sales? Is it just there to make us more efficient? Can it solve some fundamental mindset issues? And we're going to dig deeper on some of the core things you can implement in your business so you can be more effective without letting go. What are the fundamentals that need to be in place? Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you now. We come from the same industry. We're both interviewing amazing salespeople, trainers, etc. And I wanted to open up with something I know you do particularly on your podcast. And you only interview people that have an existing quota. And I thought this was really fun. And I'd love for you to elaborate as to why that is. Yeah, great question. So when I started Sales Success Stories, gosh, five and a half years ago now, it was really out of my own frustration. I have always been a student of sales, and I thought, you know, all of these books that I read and all of these webinars and, and other pieces of content that I seek out, almost all of that content come from people who haven't sold themselves. Sometimes they're selling themselves, right? Now they're consultants and they're professional speakers, but they've not carried a quota in oftentimes, I don't know, decades. <laughs> and I think the experience of selling in today's environment, and you know, this was before the pandemic, through the pandemic, it's just a different world. It's a different thing. And I'm fond of saying I'm more interested in learning from what the doers do than from what the sayers say. So I wanted to get to the source of, let's just go talk to the people who are having the highest levels of success in sales today who are actually doing it and figure out what they're doing. Because to me, that's more relevant than what somebody says in a book because of what they did 10 or 20 years ago. I find that so fascinating and so true. And you know, I was watching, I think it was on YouTube or something, where somebody was giving sales advice and you could read the comments, people saying, wow, this person's definitely a trader. They've probably not done a sale in a long time because there's a lot of information that might steer us in maybe bad assumptions about sales, that it's you know someone with a powerful script and you're like, wow, look at that person. That salesman is amazing. When I'm assuming you're, you're thinking the same thing, whereas it's not about you looking like an amazing salesperson, but it's about telling your client, making your client know that they can solve the problem with your help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not about us, right? We're just facilitators in this process, right? At the end of the day, all we're trying to do is help somebody get to where they're trying to go. 
Amazing. Now, I wanted to focus on one aspect. I know you do so many things. And we were talking before this recording about sales technology. And this field, it's fascinating because I used to be such a geek about marketing tech, sales tech. Let me go back maybe like 10 years ago. Like that's all I would do. What is the latest platform that allows me to do better webinars? What's the best ways to send emails? What's the best way to create the coolest website that's easier, that can capture leads, capture information? I was on top of all of that. And I remember seeing these graphs that were showing the number of available technologies in this space. And maybe they had a couple hundred. Then like a year after it was like a couple thousand. I haven't looked at this graph in a couple years. I feel like I'm slipping back behind. And so I'm so excited that we're going to be talking about this because it's something I enjoy, but it's something I finally crossed into the point where I feel a little overwhelmed and I feel like I'm not alone. So can you tell us a bit about like on a you know really high level, what is happening in this space? Because it seems like there's so much stuff out there. Yeah. So the image you're referring to, I'll bring you up to speed on it. And the latest iteration is just about to come out. So it's Scott Brinker who has put together the MarTech landscape. Last year, there were over 8,000 logos on that particular landscape. And sales tech is kind of following the same script. So Nancy Narden, who is now at SBI, is putting out a similar graphic. So at the beginning of 2021, for the first time, there were over a thousand logos uh, in the sales tech landscape. That's over, I think this year it's about 1200. So, and what you described is exactly what's happening is it's just overwhelming. And that's why I decided to create sales tech X to bring all of these platforms together. But more importantly, to bring the practitioners together, right? To bring those who are running revenue operations, who are running sales operations, sales enablement, and just running sales in general to help give them a space to talk to each other about the realities of what's working and what isn't working. Because to your point, there's so much out there. And I think too often the trap that most people get into is they let the technology wag the business dog, right? Instead of thinking about what is my business? What do I need to be able to do better? And then looking for a technology to potentially bridge that gap. Instead, it's, ooh, that's shiny. That's neat. Maybe I can use that. And then you end up trying to merge your business around that and it gets really, really messy. So I mean, that's the first thing I kind of encourage people to do is like, let's first think about the big picture and what we're trying to accomplish and then think about are there technologies to help with certain parts of that process? Well, you're throwing me back at times when I was working at Mind Valley and I was trying to jam down everybody's throat HubSpot, which I have a lot of love for, but I did not want to do that because I'd done a full assessment of understanding the needs of every department within the company. I had a shiny object in my hands and I wanted everyone else to see the shiny object and to use it the way that I saw it could be used. I did not have a great success doing that, but I still use it for myself. But I've had a lot of lessons because I was someone that every time I'd see the marketing tech, I'd be like, oh my God, look how efficient, amazing this is. And look how many problems it solves. But really it was just fancy tech that maybe was masking some of the underlying issues. And I wanted to maybe start there, which is if I'm someone that's currently doing sales, I'm a small business, right? And I'm seeing these technologies. And sometimes you look at the presentation, you go to the website, and it's like, wow, it really looks fancy. What are some of the things I should be doing? Or what kind of checklist I should be running before I even start considering jumping into a new piece of technology? I think ultimately, technology is an amplifier. And 
that could be a good thing or that could be a really bad thing, right? If you already have a really good process or you have a particular part of your style or approach that we can amplify, that can be a great thing. But if your process sucks, what you don't want to do is scale your suckiness. So, you know, a lot of this is, again, it, you have to go back and really look at what are we actually trying to do? What are we trying to solve for? And I think that there's two sides of this, right? Most organizations struggle with the top of the funnel, right? They struggle with, I need to make sure that I have enough qualified opportunities and qualified leads that we're having enough conversations that have the possibility of leading to a sale. The flip side is, and this is probably the other area that people don't think about enough is, are we making the customer's experience better through this? Are we making it easier? Are there ways that we can reduce the friction and just set it up so that we're so easy to do business with and not creating additional roadblocks and additional hurdles and hoops that our customers have to jump through in order to get to us? I think the best technology tools and when used right, it amplifies our humanity. I think the trap of technology here in the last number of years is there's been so much of an emphasis on scale. And it's, oh, I can reach so many people so much faster. But again, if your message sucks, if it's not differentiated, you're just pissing people off faster. You're degrading your good name and your brand faster. That's not a good thing. And and what it's done kind of to the entire ecosystem is we've effectively trained our prospects to ignore us because they get this garbage from everybody, from every angle, on every channel. And so now they've become very effective at ignoring us. And that's a problem. God, I'm so happy you brought that up. I've seen so many people using the latest tool on LinkedIn that can just scrape, blast, do a ton of things. But are there instances that you see these tools can be used? Because there are some amazing tools they can allow you to scale. And you know, there it is a problem. We do have some struggles trying to reach so many people, knowing already that we're fighting an uphill battle. A lot of them are ignoring us, so we're not even getting a chance to reach the people we really want to. So I was going to ask, is there a possibility that some of these tools actually can be used for good? And if that's the case, how would that look like? Yeah, they absolutely can, right? But again, it starts with having a good, relevant, differentiated, valuable, creative process, right? You you really have to understand, first and foremost, are we reaching out to the right people? I mean, Jason, you have a large following on LinkedIn. So do I. How often do you get messages that are just completely irrelevant? You know, had you spent four seconds looking at my LinkedIn profile, you would know that this is not relevant for me at all. So the first part is getting really, really clear on who really is your buyer. Who do we actually need to be reaching out to? Let's make sure that we've got that right. Once we understand that, what is that message? What is going to break through the noise? You know, too many people are looking for the shortcuts and the magic bullets. And the reality is, I say the secret is there is no secret. You have to do the work. And the more that you can not 
find that script or that template or the thing that everybody and their mother is using that I'm like, yeah, I've seen this one five times this week. That's not doing anything for you. You have to lean in to who you are. You have to lean into what makes you and your company and your offering unique and find ways to bring that forward. Again, it comes back to the humanity especially folks that are getting into business in the early stages, they think I need to look really professional. I need to look like this really big company. Everybody thinks that it, it looks like everything else. You know, what works great. I tell you right now that does not work. What works great is being you because you're really good at being you. <laughs> and so lean into those quirky things that make you, you, you know, whether that's a a unique channel or you've got a great sense of humor or you've got kids or you've got a particular kind of pet, whatever the heck it is. I think the more that you lean into that and into the humanity and just have fun with this at the end of the day, if you've done a good job of figuring out who those people are, you realize they're humans. And if you can make that human connection, that's a much better conversational starting point that's going to lead to a sale than the the me, me, me messaging that looks like everything else that everybody else is, is doing out there. That, that's ultimately what it comes down to. I mean, there's a lot of nuance in that. There's a ton of different tools you can use to that. But again, I encourage you, set the tools aside, figure out what that approach is first. Who's the person? What's the message that's going to resonate that's really human, that's just you, that's not some template that you paid somebody money for that everybody else is using? And then where I do think technology can probably help the most is then being consistent in that approach and recognizing that this is never, I don't see anything that works in sales anywhere that is one touch. (laughs) You know, it's going to take effort. It's going to take effort over time. You're going to have to reach out to them multiple times through different channels. You're going to have to try and figure out where they are and meet them where they are. I thought that was a really beautiful answer, especially with how I recap it is the fact that you have some homework to do before you reach out to that technology is like, you can't look at, oh, is this technology what I need is, are you ready for that technology? Because being an amplifier of wherever you are, it's like handing out a calculator when you don't even know what multiplications are. You're going to get confused and messy real quick. And I've been down that road. I know what happens when you start using a technology that amplifies messiness and then you're in trouble. And then you kind of like, you stop using it the way it's supposed to. And it's not even bringing out the message and the way that you want to be, you know, noticed on the marketplace. So yeah, I'm glad that we bring this up. And I would say the times that I've had most success using any of these marketing technologies are things that prevent me from forgetting, that encourage me from connecting. And I wanted to know if that was similar in your case. And are there some specific areas that you would suggest people to start looking whenever they want to have parts of their sales process be automated, simplified, made a little easier? Yeah. So the core space, and I think what really kind of kicked off the whole sales technology space was sales automation, right? Tools like Outreach and Sales Loft, where you can build and you can structure a multi-step, multi-channel outreach approach, and it's going to kind of hold you accountable to that. But again, the way to use that best is not to load up a spam cannon, 
right? Let's put as many people into that as we can and just blast away and irritate everyone. Instead, I'm a huge believer in less is more. If you spend a little bit more time, quality outdoes quantity every single time. And if you want to really dig into this, so my Sales Success Stories podcast, in the sales world, there are dedicated roles. There are individuals. All they do is prospecting. They're called sales development reps. If you go to top1.fm forward slash SDR, you will find over a dozen episodes with those type of folks. And the amount that you can learn from people who spend 100% of their time prospecting is amazing. And the vast majority take this kind of approach. The ones who are at the top of their game who produce the largest number of opportunities are not the ones who are making 150 calls a day. They're very focused. They're very intentional. They're very creative. They're very focused on the perspective of the person that they're reaching out to, right? So it's finding those things. But then again, using a tool like an outreach where once I know that, it's at least going to nudge me and I'm going to see, oh, today's the day that I need to send a message to Jason on LinkedIn. And today's the day that I'm going to create a customized video using Vidyard, which is one of my favorite platforms just to create individual personalized messages because I actually like things that don't scale where you can immediately see, oh, this isn't spam. Scott did this just for me. That gets attention. That breaks through the noise because you can just as easily see this was probably sent to 20,000 other people. And so it's really easy for me to ignore that. Until we have some sort of technology that allows deep fakes that will have the one video change. The name. <laughs> it's coming and it's out there. I've talked to the no. CEO of that company. It's coming. It's an interesting thing. We'll, we'll see how that plays out over time. There's a quote, I forget who says it, is that every platform is great until sales and marketers go in and ruin it. Amen. What do you feel about that? <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, we screw everything up. But again, I always come back to, I love those things that just show you put personal effort into this. Now, here's the thing. Most people think, I don't have time for that. You know, I don't have time to do 30 minutes of research and do this deep dive and then send an email that maybe never gets opened. It doesn't take that much effort at all. And what happens if you get on the other side of this, right? If you experience what it's like to be in an executive role and being prospected left and right, the bar is so incredibly low. You know, to stand out for me, Look at my LinkedIn profile for 20 seconds. Like if you just do a quick skim, you'll be able to reach out with something relevant. Here's a super easy hack. I think of this as personal keywords. Look at somebody's profile, see the couple of things that stand out. Ideally, this kind of comes from their posts and the things that they're sharing that you can tell that they have a personal interest and passion. Drop a couple of those words in the subject line. If you sent me an email and said, Peloton and podcasts got my attention. That's all it took. That's all it took. So super easy. I mean, you can do these types of things in 20 or 30 seconds, and that is going to put you in the top 5% instantly because you actually looked because that's so much better than I can tell you have no idea who I am. You have no idea what I do. You're reaching out to me to sell me your lead services. I don't need more leads. I got this. <laughs> I love that. Now, I wanted to also include this because I know when I 
am able to reach out on LinkedIn, such as, you know, the way that I find a lot of my guests is a fine experts and I'll reach out to them. I have at least done some work and I have an established asset like my podcast that gives me the right to be able to connect with a lot of people. Is this something you encourage people to do? Is it to have some sort of way of connecting with people that might be indirect for you to directly be able to sell to them? A podcast is the ultimate hack. I feel like this is one of my secrets because here's the thing, and here's the mindset I think you need to adapt. When you or I reach out to somebody and we ask them to be on our podcast, it's a hundred percent about them, right? We want to show off them and their expertise, and we have a platform to share with them, but you don't have to have a big podcast with a big following. The first ever guest that I had on sales success stories was the number one account executive at LinkedIn. I didn't even have a show. It wasn't a podcast you could go look at. He was the very first one. You don't have to have it and you don't have to make it complicated. You can say, hey, I'm thinking about starting this blog series. I'm thinking about you can do whatever. Let me take a step back and encourage you to adopt kind of the medium that you're most comfortable in. I'm an audio guy. I like to talk to people. So it's super fun to me to just ask people questions and hear what they have to say. And that's what I love about a podcast is that's my job. My job is to ask you a question and shut up and let you do your thing, right? If you're great on video, do a video thing. If you're a great writer or if you're reaching out to people who tend to communicate well in written form, just Email them a list of questions and say, hey, I'm doing this series. Would you be willing to contribute to this? You know, that's how I write my books. I'm the Tom Sawyer of authors. I have my friends write my books for me and I write an intro, <laughs> you know, so find that medium. Don't worry that you don't have a big audience. It doesn't matter, right? If you reach out because you believe that that person is important, they have something interesting to share, and you give them an opportunity to share that story, people love that. And the acceptance rate on that kind of stuff, personally, is 80, 85, 90%. It's massive. It's completely different. It's probably the opposite stats of doing cold outreach that's about you. I couldn't agree more, and I'm glad that we share that. And we covered a few things here that I just want to recap, because we started this conversation talking about marketing tech, but as you would have realized in this conversation, the tech is the fancy wrapping and there's a lot of foundations that need to be put in place. We're talking about having yourself together, having your actual message be ready to be sent out to the masses if you are sending it to the masses, but you've probably started doubting that you need to be reaching out to the masses because wanting to be more human to human is really what makes you stand out in the sales world, especially as we see that so many more people are using this marketing tech and sales tech to reach more people in a more generic way. If you spend that extra time to really be personalized, to really stand out, you will stand out very well. And of course, here we're talking about one of the powerful things you can do if you are struggling to connect with some new people within your industry is that having a platform like whether it's a video series, podcast series, written article is going to be a way that you're always focused on them. I love the tip that Scott has mentioned that you can apply right now, which is if you are connecting with someone on LinkedIn, pick a few words that are standing out based on their personality about what they're due. And you can even use that in a subject line in their emails, which will make you already stand out above 99% of the people that send a generic message. 
Scott has a chance to speak to the world's top 1% people. He himself is a salesman who actually goes out there and still sells today to be able to stay sharp and still be able to apply the techniques that we talk about today. So if you're going into sales, you want to be exposed to the new sales marketing technology that exists. Know that there is the Sales Tech Expo. We will put a link to that so you can be connected with Scott, his companies, his podcast, and being able to discover that there's a beautiful amount of technology out there but are you ready to use it? That's gonna be the ultimate question. Scott, I have one more question I need to ask you, which is the one that I love to ask every guest on my show, which is you're on the Selling With Love podcast, and I wanted to ask you, what does Selling With Love mean to you? <laughs> I love the name of your podcast because it's what selling right looks like. So one of the things that I've learned and the, the stereotypes that have been smashed in my own head, having interviewed over 100 and, I don't know, 135 top performing sales professionals, they're not who you think they are. They are not the win at all costs, run over their grandmother for a commission check type of people. The most successful sales professionals in the world are those who care the most. What, what they do is they work really hard to serve their customers. And when they do a great job of taking care of their customers, all the money and all the referrals and all the other stuff takes care of itself. So this whole idea of selling with love is the perfect encapsulation of what sales success is really about. That is a powerful answer. And I'm glad that we are reshaping the stereotype of the typical salesperson because I think the media steered us in the wrong direction. And I think it's pushing people away from their own greatness and their own embracing of sales is a beautiful thing. I had a bonus question because I asked this on another podcast and the person wasn't 100% sure of the answer. Maybe you do. And if you don't, don't worry. It's a tough question. But have you noticed if there's an industry where some of these top salespeople are in a higher concentration than any other industry? Well, certainly what I've seen in terms of the people that we're interviewing is there's a massive concentration in tech. And a big part of the reason for that, I believe, is in tech, the margins are really large and therefore, and the lifetime value of customers is very high. So there's a lot more revenue to be shared with the individual sales professional. So I think that's the reason why you see that to such a large degree. But to be fair, that's also where I have kind of come up. I have spent the last 15 years in technology. It's where my network is. So that may be a, a little bit biased. Had I come through manufacturing, maybe I would have a different network and I would have a different perspective. Nonetheless, I appreciate the perspective. That is, was my guess as well. So I'm going to agree with you so that I can be right. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing. And everybody tuning in, make sure that you check out. There's the Sales Success Stories book that has been put together by Scott. There is the Sales Success Stories podcast. We're going to put a link to all of that in the show notes. So go check that out. It's some brilliant conversations to continue your education in sales. And of course, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.